0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. Today's episode is all about leadership and specifically how to really elevate, well, I should say first define, and then elevate your own leadership skills. We are talking to Dave McCowan. He helps individuals, teams, and organizations really lead with more authenticity, purpose, and effectiveness. And we talk a lot about that effectiveness piece on the podcast today. What I loved about this episode, and really with Dave, Dave has a wealth of experience in connecting individual and team performance. And what that really does is it it allows us all to improve our business results, right? Um, with a particular focus in more of those kind of fast growing complex situations that can happen. So this is really for anyone, you know, whether you're just starting out or you've been at this for a while, even if you don't have a team yet, I think that this episode is so crucial to listen to again for that effectiveness piece. We specifically talk about ways to kind of gauge and check yourself on if you are overstepping your boundaries with team members or with anyone that you may contract out. Or if you're someone who's wanting to start contracting out and getting help, how do you know how to best, you know, really take those responsibilities and manage them effectively? So he gives a great three-step Um, system on how to figure out like, are you, are you doing more? Are you stepping in where you shouldn't be stepping in? Are you letting these contractors and these team, team members really empower themselves to do their job effectively? So I really loved this episode. I think that it's great. I took a lot of notes and I think that it's going to help all of you figure out how to set up a challenge and solutions conversation that you either need with yourself or that you may need with some team members right now. So check it out. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hi, Dave. It is so awesome to have you on today. Hey,
1: Julie, thank you so much for having me. Great to be with you.
0: Of course. So Outfield Leadership, let's dive into what this is and how it serves so many entrepreneurs and amazing people out there.
1: Sure, happy to. So, Outfield Leadership is a training and consulting firm. I work with leaders and leadership teams to help them elevate their focus, develop their people, and get more done. Uh, and what I mean by that is, in a, in a world that just seems to be moving so quickly under our feet, uh, I, I help leaders take a pause so that they can focus on the medium and long term direction of their uh, team and the development of their people rather than getting stuck in the day to day weeds.
0: Ooh. So I would love to chat about that. Um, what are the biggest challenges that you see in people working, you know, in their business instead of on their business?
1: Um, I I mean, it's, It's a huge challenge uh, in a number of ways. Um, First of all, if we're talking about founders and owners working in their business rather than on their business, as I'm sure you've spoken with many people about, there's just a scalability issue there that if I'm the one that's running around doing everything that needs to get done, um, then I've just got so many different plates up in the air that are spinning. Uh, And so you kind of go into this cycle of, of selling yourself and your services and then needing to go out and deliver them. And when you're delivering your services, you realize that you're not selling and then you have to go out and sell your services and you kind of get caught in this cycle. Um, Which, funny enough, even as you grow as an organization and you begin to develop more managers and leaders underneath you, is a similar cycle that we all can go through as leaders, regardless of the size of the business that we're working in.
0: And how do you feel that, you know, some of the obstacles, if you will, are the challenges that leaders can face as they're starting to grow and scale when it comes to growing a team, efficient sizing that, that leaders could start not only looking out for, but most importantly, what are the things that they can start to do to take action on? So they're not essentially wasting time.
1: Sure, and so one of the cycles or patterns that I see out there in in working with individuals and teams is what I call the cycle of mediocrity. And essentially it starts from this premise, which is if you're a leader uh, of any size of team because we live in a world where everything just feels so urgent, we've kind of lost the ability to focus on the truly important. And so when a new bit of information comes in or the market shifts or like where we are um, today with um, just the the shifts in the, the economy, we as the leader feels like, well, that's something urgent that I need to respond to. And it's much easier and faster and more effective and efficient for either me to solve that challenge or just to tell my team what to do about it. Um, Um, And and what that does then is um, it forces you as a leader to essentially lead through acts of heroism where you're making diving catches and stealing victory from the jaws of defeat. You're putting yourself in the story of your team, Um, all for good reason, usually based on the belief that that's kind of where our value comes as being a leader. But it has a negative impact in that the more that you step in to save the day for your team, the more they developed a sense um, of disempowerment or learned helplessness, which is if my boss is always going to save the day for me, why should I bother go above and beyond what I need to, to push us forward? I'll just go and lay a problem at their door which then frustrates them in the long term makes you the bottleneck and then funny enough actually then forces you to have to react through more acts of heroism and so as you're growing a team or you're or you're wanting to look for true scalability that's not a scalable model of leadership you need to shift that on its head so that you're building and developing the team underneath you rather than placing yourself in the center of the story.
0: Oh, I love that you touched on that because I know that there's so many um, leaders when they are growing and scaling and doing that, that they fall into this, right? Um, and I would love to talk about, you know, what are ways that, that that leaders can start structuring their team to empower themselves? How do the leaders st- stop saving the day, <laughs> essentially? <laughs> um, and I know you know this could be a little bit of like letting go of control, but really, are there some step-by-steps or some tips that you could offer that are great? Um, things to look out for of of really letting the team members that are in those roles empower themselves to do their jobs. Uh, absolutely
1: happy to share and and like like any issue or dysfunctional relationship that involves many parties, it's uh, often easier to start with the other person. What can they do to make this? better, but actually where you get true success is to start uh, with yourself. Um, And so actually a a lot of folks say, well, I just don't think that my team uh, has the skill set or the ability to um, be more empowered or to take on some more stuff. Well, what you're doing there is just creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you've got to reel that back in a little bit and say, okay, what can I do to control this situation? And it all starts with a a mindset shift as all or any behavioral um, Uh, shifts begin. It's got to start from your own perspective. And and so my suggestion is for any manager or leader who wants to make a a shift away from being the the hero to adopt this mantra, which is that your focus is to help those on your team achieve your shared goals and in doing so to become the best version of themselves. And, And why that's important is number one, it it places the onus on the group to not only set, but then um, hold each other accountable to achieve their shared goals. But it also removes any ability for you to act through these acts of heroism, because when you're doing that, you're not helping your people grow or develop. Um, and so adopting that mantra and saying, OK, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move away from these acts of, of heroic leadership towards what I call self-evolved leadership, which is really all about helping your team collectively set and achieve their common goals. So that, that, that mindset shift is, is a huge first step in this process.
0: And what are some things that leaders should be kind of looking out for to know, like, am I am I overstepping here? Am I going more into this hero role? Or am I really letting this person make their own decisions and find the results to those decisions?
1: so it all comes down to a degree of self-awareness um so committing to just observe your own own behavior for a day or a week is is something that i suggest folks do take a journal and in every interaction that you have with your team don't don't necessarily try to act any differently at the beginning stage because we're just observing here but just take a um a note of any major interaction that you have with your team, whether that's physical or over email or over a virtual call, and jot down who ultimately provided the solutions in the conversation and who ultimately took the next action to go deliver that. And if you've got more in your column than the team does, then that's probably a good sign that you're leading through heroic leadership. Uh, Another thing to just bear in mind is, um, the speed at which you respond to somebody um, asking you a question or interrupting you or or just communicating with you. Uh, if your immediate reaction is just to start talking uh, then you're more than likely exhibiting some of these behaviors. Um, what I usually encourage people to do is just to learn how to take a pause. Um, take a pause whenever you get new information. Take a pause whenever somebody interrupts you. Take a pause when you get an email rather than just rushing to respond. So keep a journal for a week and, and kind of see who's walking away from those interactions with um, having generated the solutions and and come up with the next actions.
0: Oh this is so good. So answering the question who offered the solutions mm-hmm. and then the next question was who took the next action steps from yeah. those solutions that were offered. But
1: because, because most heroic leaders that's the two things that they essentially take on board. The first one more so maybe than the second one, but somebody comes for with a with an issue or a problem uh, and our initial reaction is to think okay, I'm the leader in this instance. I've been around the organization perhaps for some time or or maybe I've risen through the ranks somewhere else. The value that I bring is in helping my team um, move um, more efficiently and effectively. So that means that if there's a problem that I have some degree of understanding on or heck, even if I don't, the fastest way we can get through this is for me just to share what I think that you should do. Um, and you know, I can understand that. I can understand and see why leaders believe that's where the value is that they, that they bring But what you're doing is you're draining the the decision making, the problem solving, the critical thinking from your team and you're building that learned helplessness. So rather than um, uh, just blurt out the answer, one of the greatest questions that you can ask as a leader. And by the way, great leadership is just about asking better questions. That's really what it comes down to. One of the best questions that you can ask is, what do you think? And just mm-hmm. let them um, come up with their own uh, ideas, their own solutions, their own challenges. And yeah, sure, at some point you may want to um, put a hand up and say, okay, it sounds like you've got a, a couple of great options there. Which one are you going to take? And and help help navigate them towards the, to, towards the solution that they feel best rather than just automatically um, saying what you think. Mm, and then the second awesome. thing in, in terms of next actions, quite often there's a lot of uh, we'll get together we'll have these conversations and it if particularly in those instances where it's not clear where the next action lives, the leader will just say, oh, well, I'll do that because it'll probably be quicker for me to do it. I'll get it done faster. And you know what? Even if somebody else on my team was to pick it up, I'd probably have to come back in and and redo it and rework it anyway. And so they just say, I'll do that. And so they walk away from a meeting with a whole bunch of next actions that keep them in the weeds and keep them in the tactics. And and their team walks away thinking, hey, that's great. The boss is going to do this
0: for us. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. That idea of, you know, the speed in which you respond and and learning to pause. And even if it was something of as like, okay, that's interesting. um, I'll get back to you on that. Mm -hmm. Is that idea of the pause so the team members have the time to come up with their own solutions? Is is that Um, kind of the idea in that? Or is it to just take a beat for the leader to kind of sift through and then respond at a later time? It, it
1: could be either or. I'd i I'd, um, I'd suggest moving more towards the f- the first one, which mm-hmm. is um, getting comfortable in allowing silence to do the heavy lifting. Forces the people that you're interacting with to rise up to the occasion of filling that silence with something that makes sense, or or. It, you know, just a direction that we can go in. If we don't allow silence to do the heavy lifting, if we're not as leaders comfortable with that silence, and we're always filling it, um, then that just squashes. Um, it squashes innovation. It squashes creative thinking. Uh, it squashes uh, the best solution to what we're looking at. And and, and it, it it happens in, on two sides. Let's just take the notion of a problem or a challenge. Most organizations, most teams spend too long solving the wrong problem because when somebody comes with an issue or a challenge, the first kind of opening gambit is usually not the real issue. There's some nuanced version of something going on underneath that. Um, and when we start solving the wrong challenge, it's kind of like when you play golf. If you play golf, I've done it about three times in my life because I'm terrible at it. But the moment at which you hit the ball off the tee, if you hit it a millimeter off where you're supposed to, the ball doesn't land a millimeter away from where you want it to. It lands in the uh, water or in the bunker or in my case, three um, holes over and so taking a pause ensures that we're not solving the wrong problem which is akin to hitting the 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 golf ball a millimeter off um it also then once we um allow our team to, to really explore what the issue is or the challenges that we're trying to solve um allowing that silence to do the heavy lifting um encouraging your team to come up with solutions to that challenge invariably ensures that we're going to come to a higher quality outcome because yes you as a leader have some version of an understanding of what's going on but it's not the whole truth and your uh, team has some version of an understanding of what's going on but it's not the whole truth but if we just allow a moment of discussion of brainstorming of thinking what this could be Ultimately, we're extending the pool of of potential options and solutions more than just saying, well, I think you should do this.
0: Ah, that's so good. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. for sponsoring the show. Now you can go ahead and head over to juliesolomon.net slash shine waitlist to add your name to that waitlist and to also download a PDF that's on that page to get all of the information that you could possibly need about shine. So you will be ready to rock and roll once we open those doors, but make sure to sign up because that is the only way that you are going to gain access to the opportunity to join my coaching membership if you want to. So head on over to juliesolomon.net slash shine waitlist for all the details. And so it's really just, you know, there may be issues or challenges that come up, but it's like maybe creating a conversation or, you know, if you, if it's an email or a correspondence, kind of like, these are our challenges. What do you think about this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And giving the floor and the room for folks to to weigh in and I think leaders resist doing that for two reasons. One, they think that, well, if we open this up to whole, a whole bunch of voices, we'll never be able to um, kind of actually come to a decision. I don't want to just have to go round to um, decision-making by committee. And that's, that's not what I'm suggesting. Um, you do have to have a good decision-making process. But it should be one that encourages, um, encourages new voices or a wider range of voices in, in what you're doing. And then the second reason why these leaders resist doing that is sort of what I alluded to earlier, which is if, if, if I'm giving up my authority on decision-making, what good am I in this organization? Mm. And, And to which I say, you're getting to the point where you're really uh, being able to to add value because what you're doing is you're giving yourself the headspace to think about the medium and long-term direction of your team and the development of your people. Um, and you're building a team that can scale underneath you. Your goal ultimately should get to the point where you really have worked yourself out of a position because that means that you've achieved your current um, goal and you can either continue to rise through the organization that you're at or take that skill set somewhere else um, because it's in huge demand in other organizations.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Thank you for walking us through that. Um, I would love to talk about, I know that Outfield Leadership offers Various leadership programs, based off of what someone's goals or initiatives may be, can you walk us through some of those?
1: Sure. So I, I typically work with senior leadership teams um, on the setting and execution of the strategic plan, um, and and then the alignment of that around the organization, and, and and where that sits for me. There are a number of of components. First of all, in a lot of instances, senior leadership teams have this sense of – belief that they're better at doing what they're doing than they really are. <laughs> and um, there's this sense that if we just, if we're good at leaders functionally, somehow we'll be able to come together and make good decisions for the organization. So I spent a lot of time working with senior leadership teams to help them understand that their job as a senior leader um, isn't just to lead their function or their department, that's part of it, but it's to come together collectively as a group to, and to stack hands and to say, this is my team, this is my band of brothers and sisters we're here to make decisions for the organization so i help teams work through the interpersonal dynamics of that i help them devise a strategic plan for the year and then i help them build a a rhythm of implementation so that uh, um as what often happens which is um hugely frustrating. You get a team together, they set some really great goals or strategies for the year, and then they just get dragged into the weeds two weeks later f- from whatever's happening um, in order to get to really good execution of your strategic plan, building in a regular rhythm for implementation. So that means um, meeting quarterly with a very set specific agenda for what we're going to review, meeting monthly to ensure that we're um, on track to, to achieve our quarterly goals and, and so on and so forth.
0: Mm. So it's quarterly and then just more monthly it's, it's, it's tackling and then quarterly it's regrouping
1: yeah and so a lot of um, a lot of leadership teams are are good at setting the goals for the year and they're good at getting into the weeds and kind of pushing forward on a weekly tactical basis maybe even a monthly basis where a lot of them struggle is proactively elevating that that, that focus once a quarter to say okay let's let's spend some time and 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 look at the last ninety days what what did we achieve um what is working for us what's not working what should we stop doing what should we start doing um over the next 90 days what are our set of goals that we want to achieve on the next 90 days and then what are our dash what's our dashboard what are our traffic lights that will help us understand whether we're on track to achieve that 90 that day frame that's where a lot of leadership teams struggle most of their quote-unquote strategic reviews during the year are either re- reactive uh, Um, because we feel we've got to do it because something shifted or there's sort of drive by like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's going, going good and going well. Those teams that really push through and the success of their annual goals develop a drumbeat of proactivity around that, that kind of 90 day sprint.
0: Mm. All right. I like that. That's great. And what do you see? I mean, we're kind of in a really unique time right now with our world and with the economy. Um, Mm -hmm. What are some new challenges that leaders are going to start to face, not just short-term, because I think that we, we kind of know what those are to some degree, um, right. maybe having to let team members go, um, you know, um, working virtually if they're not used mm-hmm. to that. Um, but what are some of the long-term challenges that we should be looking out for that we can try to start to be proactive about mm-hmm. working with and overcoming instead of reactive mm
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah and I think you 're right we 've kind of gone through that initial triage phase of just trying to steady the the, the ship at least for now and and so the the challenges that we 're going to face is building the new normal um, twelve months out from now whilst at the same time understanding that things are going to shift at least twice or three times, maybe even more before we get there. So that's a balancing act and a tension between crisis management on, on the day to day uh, just putting fires out and trying to elevate that focus to build that, that new normal. And so what I'm suggesting at the minute to a lot of folks that I'm talking to is once you feel that you've done that, at least initial triage, um, Get your leadership team back together and say, okay, what does the next 90 days look like for us? You know, whatever annual plan that we had for 2020 is out the window and that's fine. Let's just regroup and say, what does the next um, 60 to 90 days look like? What are some really clear goals that we can put in place for our team that are outcome driven that we can work towards? Knowing well and good that within that 60 to 90 day period, we're probably gonna have the rug pulled out from under us once or twice and and to just be okay with that and to steal ourselves for the emotional turmoil that might come with that, to be ready for that, to, to to prepare for that so that it doesn't exhaust us as leaders when we're having to go back out to our team the second or the third time saying, okay, here's the revised plan again and again and again. So if we can get something together for the next 60 to 90 days, um, which takes us probably to the midpoint of the year, at that point, then hopefully things are starting to, sh- to just settle. A little, and, and we can look at the back end of 2020 and say, okay, well, now what does that look like for us? What's the next phase in our development and, and then our ongoing growth? Um, and and to not just get sucked into the psychological, the emotional, the business, the economic um, kind of um, feeling of having to deal with the weeds, which everything is pulling us towards at the minute, um, to try and get that focus a little bit more. And then just on top of that, actually trying to reimagine um, what that is going to look like for us. Uh, you know, we're, we're sort of, uh, we've got this this potential to throw all the rules out of the window. Um, we're going to emerge from something that, Uh, is going to have a lasting impact on us as a society. I have have no doubt about that. We we, We may well all go back to working in the same types of jobs, doing the same type of things. But from a societal perspective on how we view our fellow woman and man, I think there's a fundamental shift. So let's look at what What does that mean for us? What does that mean for how we interact with our customers, with our clients, with our partners, with our um, society that we work in, with the people that work for us? How can we move um, to a more empathetic, vulnerable way of being with each other and leading each other in that new place?
0: That's great. I love that. Thank you. Taking all, all sorts of notes right now. <laughs> um, so for the next steps, for those listening, if they want to dive deeper into outfield leadership and to see, you know, the resources and the programs and the trainings that your company offers, um, what, what are the next best steps to do that?
1: Um, you can go to outfieldleadership.com and you'll see a whole bunch of free stuff up there. There's uh, a blog that I publish too. I've got a podcast and I do a a bunch of videos, um, across various social platforms. So feel free to check that out. I also just uh, a couple of weeks ago released my first book. It's called the self-evolved leader. Um, and, and a lot of what we've talked about today, um, that's the core mantra of the book it's available on uh, Amazon or go to self and you'll see a bunch of places where it's, it's, um, available. And I've got a whole bunch of great chapter resources that support all the work there.
0: Amazing. And we'll make sure to add all of that information in the show notes, um, especially some of the key questions, um, that I took down about ways, um, the, the solution and challenges, action steps, um, and the 60 to 90 day plan that I just took away, which was really great. Um, have a lot to think about now, <laughs> which is awesome. That's yeah. why I love talking to amazing people like you on this. <laughs> um, so good. Well, Dave, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge and experience and giving us some really, uh, great step-by-step and actionable takeaways that we can start brainstorming and putting into action um, to make sure that we're staying as proactive and and in our leadership seat and staying in our leadership seat and not jumping into other people's seats, um, which is so valuable in this time and um, for sharing your resources and, of course, um, the name of your podcast where people can listen to that.
1: Uh, name of the podcast is uh, Lead Like You Give a Damn. It's on Spotify and and on iTunes. And I interview leaders um, who are really leading with more empathy and vulnerability in in what they're doing.
0: Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I can't wait to see what our listeners think. As always, guys, if you found some really core takeaways that you want to share, make sure to screenshot uh, this episode and share what those takeaways are. Um, You can repost those on Instagram and I'll be happy to share them. You can put them on Facebook and on Twitter and just let people know what your biggest aha moments and takeaways were from today's episode and and how you plan to take action from this and from what um, Dave shared with us today. Thank you so much again. I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Julie. Appreciate it.